0: Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours I'm Grant Spanier And I'm Vince Kochi And you are listening to episode 89 I love it Vince because what, Why did 6 eat 7? Because 7, Cause seven eight, 9 That is a pillar of comedy that is a that's an old standard of hold on no, no i think you're giving it too much credit because i don't think that i think that was nonsensical i actually didn't no, know you did say it wrong you said it completely. okay, okay. why is six afraid of seven because seven well, yeah i said why did eight six eight 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 nine. seven right yeah, okay I respect <laughs> he <laughs> ate him because seven eight nine that was as an act of retribution yes not great um and speaking of retribution vince and we're not actually This reminds me And speaking of not speaking about anything <laughs> Speaking you know, about not speaking about retribution I I do want to say In 6th grade No 5th grade uh, I gave a speech And it was about my greatest hero My greatest hero? Yeah my greatest hero mm-hmm. And my intro was Who here has been skydiving? I want to see a show of hands and nobody raised their hand and I said, neither am I Now, let's get to my speech And, <laughs> and, and sometimes Oh, classic non-sequitur cold open I do like that, that It's like the that. best method
1: And we've done that here uh, to give a more warm open Who are we talking to? That would be Mr. Stuart Hooper He is a photographer, a filmographer And the proprietor of Panama City-based production company Assumbro Media. Assumbro Media. Uh, he is very smart, very bright, uh, very articulate, and also a lot of fun to talk to. We talked specifically about the shortlist. What does that mean? Well, it's your, your intimate list of confidants, references. Uh, it, it brought us uh, into a conversation about relationships, relationship management, Uh, personal evaluation, and we brought it up because he was recommended to us by our our now friend and former guest, Lolita Ballesteros, and it turned out to be a great recommendation. Clearly, she has
0: her shortlist in order. Well done, Lolita. Thank you for the intro. Thank you, Stuart, for coming on. And I do need to thank someone else on my shortlist of tools. Uh, I do kind of keep that tight Uh, The things that I love, the things that I recommend, one of those, especially for anyone who's going to be podcasting, is Simplecast. And we use it to publish our podcast. It puts it right into iTunes. If you don't have a website, we do. Shout out to Squarespace. You can use it to actually put out your podcast on the web right there. And it's a beautiful tool. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Simplecast, for for supporting this show and for making a lovely tool. Really is a great product. Um, yep, thank you, Simplecast, for
1: your patronage. Thank you, Stuart Hooper, for joining us for a great conversation. Uh, thank you, Grant, for being Grant. And thank you, Vince, for being Vince. And thank you, listeners. For being I, listeners. For being listeners. <laughs> and for hopefully enjoying episode 89, Shortlist.
2: To be perfectly honest, I haven't I
1: haven't
0: done this before. Cool, um, that's great. I, I used I'm, to. Either
1: we really, <laughs> if you're speaking
2: pragmatically,
0: you're in uh, you're in capable hands. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Vince, uh, Mr. Grant, what a treat it is to be with you.
1: Be back together, yeah. In the it, same room, truly, truly. Back. It's been a
0: minute, um, and and here we are. Glad to be here. And I have a question for you. So something I've actually been wondering for a little bit. Mm. Um, I would hope so. Yeah. I was wondering, what are you working on? What are you putting your time into?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, and you're welcome. Hey, and welcome back. It's it's actually, all sincerity, very good to see your face. Likewise, brother. Been, you've been away for a while. Um, I'm pretty busy at Yamamoto. We have uh, Excel as people who live in the Midwest might know.
0: Not pretty, the Microsoft not, program. No,
1: exactly. It's easy to make that mistake when you're Googling them for the first time. Yeah. Uh, but, no, they're, in, they're an energy company pretty huge here in the Midwest, uh, spanning to the south a bit. Anyway, uh, we won them a couple months ago, and now...
0: We you, are, you wooed them? You won, you wind them? You yeah, dined we, them?
1: We tricked them in the front door, and now we're doing creative work for them. Uh, it's all hands on deck. I'm pretty busy there. And also... Tackling some freelance work for Bluebird Gardens and also
0: doing a little bit of personal work writing a fictional journal. Oh, love it. I mean, not unlike and wow, I hate this is. Pattern recognition, again, as we were discussing earlier, probably off-cast, which there's nothing better than referencing either something visual that's happening that the listener can't see, or talking about a, a reference that they haven't heard exactly. from a conversation that happened off-air. <laughs> uh,
1: my favorite is hypothetical, not-yet-completed creative work that we can never reference in any serious alleged. way. It's yeah. always okay. alleged. alleged. So,
0: what I was going to say is, this reminds me a little bit of your other podcast. Which I'm much to my chagrin, am mentioning these parts, but it is sort of a fictional journal in a lot of ways. It is, yes, uh,
1: and uh, I've
0: been and, that too, and and I can't wait for you to share this fictional journal with me, just like the 246 other things you promised to share with me on the show. And I'm going to uh, hold you to this one.
1: Grant uh, Grant is correctly pointing out a habitual failing of mine, which is starting projects and never finishing them.
0: Well, that's fine, but it's more just like you promise to share them with me and and you you genuinely go, "Yeah, absolutely, I can't wait to show you."
1: You know, I hope I hope you know as as embarrassed
0: as I am about this being
1: all 100% true that I always do intend to.
0: And I and I believe you and and I hope you know I'm not just attacking you. I don't want you to feel like you need to like just say something cuz I ask you what you're working on every time. I know I, n- I never feel the need
1: to, to I I never fabricate. It's just the truth. I think you know in some ways it's um it's a it's a curse that's not quite as much of a curse because I'm working through some of the problems that people who listen to our show might have that is follow through ah, issues. Respect. And I have them myself. You're and the, so I you're the audience.
0: Problems. You are the everyman.
1: Uh, that said, I, I am just actually doing plenty of, of freelance and office work.
0: So Love it. Love if it, If you want to
1: see that, you can look at... The Yamamoto website.
0: All right, I'll I'll check it out. Okay. Uh,
1: Grant, but more importantly, Uh, at least to me personally, because I already know what I'm working on. Sure. I would like to know what you have been putting your time into.
0: For sure, my brother, my brother. Uh, I just landed uh, back in Minneapolis. I was on a bit of a tour of the West Coast. I was in Portland. Just landed. Yeah.
1: Like, literally an hour ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, just got back in. Uh, I was in Seattle and then Portland and then LA for a bit, working on a bunch of projects, shooting photos, and yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, a bunch of projects. <laughs> sorry, that's the worst. Fuck I mean, me. So <laughs> that was the worst. Specific I'm, and vague. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was a little flustered. I don't know why I'm flustered. You ask me this every time. I should come prepared. <laughs> but mostly, yeah, just shooting photos, editing some videos, working on some music videos that are coming up that I'm super hyped about. Those are like, a, I mean, one of my biggest passion projects. So it's good, man. Awesome.
1: Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Um, and you, you mentioned photography. Yeah. And you mentioned filmography and production. I did. and And those are what I would say relative uh, and relevant uh, pursuits because the person that we're talking to this week, the guest that we have on, is someone who does all of those things. His name is Stuart Hooper. And he is going to have to remind me the pronunciation of the production company that he-
0: Asumbro? Uh, Asumbro? Uh, Asumbro, see.
1: Yep. Oh. That's correct. Oh. So- Grant, well done, because I, I was going to say Asombra, and that was not going to be right. That
0: and then was gonna and Stuart wrong. was was going to rail us on that I,
1: one. I don't have a Spanish-speaking background, but uh, Asombra, is that right?
0: Asombra Media, yeah. Media, yeah. Sí. He, is, he
1: is Stuart Hooper. He is photographer, filmographer, and proprietor of Asombra Media. Thank you so much for joining us, and if I can kick off the conversation... By asking you to be so generous as to answer the question, Stuart, what have you been putting your time into recently?
2: What have I been putting my time into recently? Well, thanks, thanks for having me, first off. Welcome and, to um, the
0: show. And from, I was going to say sunny, I don't know what the weather's like, but but Panama? You're, are you in Panama yeah. City?
1: Yes. Panama City, not Florida. Panama City, Panama. Panama. The one that's
2: in the news this week for, you know, hiding all of
1: the the world's illicit money. Yeah, that Panama.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) There's that. Shouts out to that. (laughs) Um,
2: What have I been putting my time into lately? I actually, um, I just got back from a a little trip as well. I was over in Spain trying to open up some new um, production uh, markets, and I got back and found... My team trying to cope with everything that we've been doing. Um, today was the 100th episode of our cooking show, our daily cooking show. So that was um, getting ready for that, changing the format, changing kitchens. That's been the, the major thing for my last week. So,
0: And what is that show called? It's called
2: Sabores del Chef, which means uh, Flavors of the Chef.
1: Flavors <laughs> of the Chef, an <laughs> apt name for a cooking show. Love it. Hey, I got to give you some respect, though. Producing a weekly show is, is – a lot of work, I would say. Yeah. Producing a daily show. That is insane. How lo- How big is the team of people that work on that?
2: Um, it, it varies. There's there's seven of us total, and there's usually three or four people on the show at any given time. We try to film five episodes in a day. But it's an hour-long show. Uh, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes we only get four and, and film a couple days. Um, it's, it's definitely been a logistical challenge. I mean – if you count it as you know it's, it's 97% of all the content I've ever produced in my life and I've only been doing it for 6 or 7 months just in terms of, of how, much, how much of it there is so it's definitely been a, an interesting thing to get used to yeah. but at the same time it's, it's different I mean DSLRs and Final Cut X and I don't know the, the technology I think has really helped make it faster and more nimble than ever before
0: yeah it's accessible
1: Absolutely. Um, well, thank you again for joining us. We um, Let's talk about how we know each other because That's we don't it. really yet. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're just getting introduced a couple minutes ago when we called you on Skype, uh, but how we were introduced is going to be very pertinent to the conversation today. Uh, you are an associate of Lolita Ballesteros, who we had on the show relatively recently.
0: eighty six. Yep, a couple enthusiasm weeks ago.
1: and her her topic was enthusiasm, and she fit the billing in. <laughs> <shades>. She <laughs> she was an uh, absolute firecracker, and uh, I mean that in the in the absolute most positive way. She's full of energy, fantastic. Um, and we asked her if she had other people she thought
0: you know we should talk to
1: fit our philosophy, and she mentioned you, and that got us thinking. What does it mean to be recommendation worthy? What mm-hmm. does it mean? To be within someone's close social circle to the point that you become a go-to for reference mm-hmm. for other people. Uh, how do you get on someone's shortlist, basically, is the, is the quick one-word explanation.
0: It's the, the, topic. the topic, as it were.
1: The topic, if you will. Uh, so let's start by asking you, Stuart, Yeah. who's on your shortlist and why are they there? all right um this is this is
2: interesting for me because um you actually uh in that in that introduction you mentioned you know how do you get to be close enough part of someone's social circle to be on their short list mm-hmm. and i might um I might take issue with that I might say that uh, I met lelita at um at a brunch uh, not too long ago, and we were relative strangers, and I think that the reason we connected was um just sort of an instant willingness and an instant openness to talk about uh, certain creative and work things, whereas somebody else might have just not been at brunch writing something creative and not, you know, not been open to talking and something like that. So we became friends. We got to know each other. We got to the point where where we could be on each other's short list. But I think the first key, and it might sound a little cheesy, is just being, just being open to it, just realizing that. No matter how busy you get or what you got going on or you think you got your own world sewn up and, and your own shit together or not or whatever, but you're just not necessarily – you're not necessarily looking for it. And, and I found that um, anyone that, that uh, might end up on my short list has come that way because yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of open to it. I, I'm looking – always looking for people and this sounds – I don't know if this sounds like a little sociopathic or not, but the people on my short list are people that I need – uh, to get stuff done. And that can be either people that, that can work for me or fill a specific role or people yeah. that can teach me something or hire me in some regard or totally. connect me with other people. I, I'm, that,
0: I, I mean, absolutely. Like, this is something we've talked about a lot on the show. This is like, uh, like, talk about networking. You talk about this stuff. You're just talking about like symbiotic relationships, relationships where there's like equal value and it's not like you're pulling from someone. You're just like, you're both coming together, and you, and you don't really necessarily... I mean, you're saying you need someone, but at the same time, I have to imagine like if any one of your relationships... I don't want to say failed. This is weird. This is like a weird value equation of a relationship. But if if let's just... Okay. Oh, God. This was gonna about to get grim. I was going to say, let's just say one of your key relationships died. Like That's a little grim like to it start it out. The abstract, Viewing it in the abstract, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or there was a falling out, or they moved away. Yeah. Was,
1: I mean, inaccessible whatever reason.
0: I, yeah, yes. Inaccessible. I like that better. But it, your, uh, your ship will carry on. I mean, uh, that's actually maybe uh, an interesting way to think about it is people who are going to sort of be okay regardless and that's somewhat high level in terms of what okay means but let's just say career-wise or life-wise but just like moving forward people who are moving forward and when you are like moving forward at at least a similar speed as someone you can look over at them and say yeah let's go together we can go a little bit faster versus someone who's like yelling at you from behind like trying to like throw a grappling hook on the back of your ship.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I I mean, not to not to interject before you get a chance to interject. <laughs> no, <laughs> I want
0: hey, Vince. Actually, I would no, love no, to interject. Let me, let me interject. <laughs> um, I don't
1: for, I don't think it's cheesy at all. I I think the ship analogy is great. I kind of um, equate it to the difference between riding a tandem bicycle and riding two bicycles with one drafting and the other behind. Ooh, a tandem bicycle with one. You you don't want a codependent relationship with someone on your shortlist. I mean, to a certain degree, codependent relationships become almost unavoidable in a way just because of human nature. But avoiding them in general is a good thing, I think. You want two independent idea makers, sources of inspiration, working in collaboration to better one another. You want your relationships to be mutually beneficial, not interdependent, I would say. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I think you guys just just helped me kind of straighten all that out in my brain because definitely the first step is openness and, and always open to what someone need is a strange word because it, what someone might be able to do or how you might be able to do something together. But at the same time, as I might be keeping my eye, it's not even really keeping my eyes open. It's just always kind of being open to the, to someone might end up being useful in life at the same time. Yeah. You can't be needy or you can't be going up to people that <clears throat> are obviously, you know, a potential professional relationship or something and, and being like, like you said, like you'd be all right without them. It's very important to not need them, even if they're potentially useful or a potentially useful relationship. And I don't know, I'm sure probably you guys are familiar with um, Gary Vaynerchuk and all that
0: jazz. Yeah. I don't know if you are. I I am. I am. I'm curious to hear your opinions.
2: Well, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not going to maybe go into his whole vibe, but just, one of the things he's always talking about, whether it's on social media or whether it's in life or whatever, is also trying to, like, be open to that in in the reverse. And if someone asks a question, answer it or take some time out to try to help people in the same industry or do, do you know, um, always be talking about what you do, always be helping people that are in the same area. And that will open up pathways to people that you end up needing to meet as well. I think I think that's – when when I talk about openness, I think that's a big part of it is, like – I have met the. I mean, you mentioned. It sounded like one of you knows this guy KC earlier, but
0: yeah, yeah, Casey um, Neistat.
2: No, no, no. I'm oh. sorry. Oh, that's, that's who, that's who I was okay, referencing. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The
2: well, <laughs> there's a. There's this actually funny Casey Neistat just came down to uh, Panama for the first time a few weeks ago for the Bloggers Week. and did a couple of vlogs here. Um, cool guy, but no. Um, um, there's a different KC, but there's an interesting example, which is in the, in the sense that we have offices now. Um, huh. Inside uh, a building that was developed by one of our clients, and we have a we have a fairly advantageous trade relationship with them, and it, it's allowed us to to really take off in ways that if I was you know if I was paying full freight for the sure. space or or something it's would, partnership would have been a lot, yeah it would have been a lot more difficult. And I'm I got I I put that arrangement together because I was. Um, I was doing some free drone work essentially, or somebody said, Hey, you want to go for a boat ride and bring the drone? I said, sure. Why not? Let's do it. We'll worry about the details later. And then all of a sudden I was meeting this okay. guy and talking to him and, and three days later we had, you know, totally. I mean, it was somebody I'd known for a while, but like those kind of, so, those kind of openings, it's because you're willing to give back as well. I think
0: it, Exactly. I mean. I mean, if if we do want to talk about Gary Vee, I don't want to go too deep, just some some of his, some of his mannerisms kind of turned me off, but right. I, I mean, but I have followed Gary V, and like, I'm I'm a fan to a degree. Uh, but what you're kind of talking about is like the jab, jab, right hook stuff. It's like, you know, it's like, you're not, you know, when, when you need something, when you really have an ask, like that's when you give the hook, but it's like you, you can kind of build a relationship. You can jab, you can do whatever these things. That being said, I think really what you're talking about uh, with, with like the openness, it's, it's a willingness to like, just go there with people and experiment and just like not have super high expectations and you just can let that develop. I mean, even when we're talking about Lalita, the you know you said you met her at a brunch and it's like pretty quick. I mean, that's Lalita. That's that was the episode we had with her was enthusiasm. I connected with her very deeply, very quickly as well, and that's why she was even on the show. And this, and now there's like a double meta episode. Right. Welcome to the meta zone. <laughs> a,
1: a new feature. We live here. Um, I I would um, I would go to an, another level and say that we should be careful not to make the conversation sound too cynical because it's easy to kind of get into a a manner of speaking about the people you meet and your acquaintances in terms of utility. Yeah. Uh, And in a pragmatic way, that's true. Like, do I want, in a perfect world, would I meet people who are awesome but also help me with my creative and career pursuits? Yes, uh, but being on the lookout for people that can help you is not so cynical of a pursuit. What I mean by this is yeah. taking a, an earnest eye to how your friends can not only help you like enjoy life, but also collaborate better and how you guys can work together and make better projects and how they can offer criticism to improve who you are as a person and or as an artist. Those, those are important things to do. While remembering that you're not commoditizing them necessarily,
0: well yeah, I, th- I think okay i'm I'm riffing here a little bit on this and a lot of uh, Stuart, I know you're not super familiar with the show, but I, <laughs> we talk about self-awareness and all the time. this season we started talking about self-definition a little bit a little yes. bit yes um but I think a lot of what you're talking about comes from there and you know when you t- when you talk about like people who are just uh, when you're talking about cynicism and like and like value equations and like putting people in like you know like basically quantifying someone,
1: Rand ask social Darwinism.
0: Yeah, yeah. Shit. I think I think there's like a balance, and there's a balance of people who are self aware enough who know kind of what they're doing, why they're doing it, and I can smell that, and it's like flowers. It's fantastic. It's a good fragrance. Um, I think when it gets a little bit too value equation-esque, I can also smell that. And I would say... It stinks like manure? Yeah, so yeah. Can any, it, so it, can anyone that's of any use to... Caca, caca you know, like, maybe a word we would, we would use over there. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, I think there there is like the balance of like, you can move a lot faster when... <laughs> whoops. Uh, you can move a lot faster when you guys are both on the level of like, all right, I'm like... Uh, you know you can sort of like get over the the middle ground of um, I mean in, in the Midwest in, in the US here we deal with some of this like just like awkward layer of, of social dancing. Face saving behavior. Yeah basically. exactly and it's it's not helpful but when people are willing to kind of Kind of like let their guard down and and let you see like ambition, but but without it feeling like that's their end game, you know, like there is end game, but but when it feels like that end game is like positive, I, I don't know, we're sort of still developing this idea, but I feel like that's a lot of what we're talking about. Like when I talked to Lolita, it was like, oh yeah, like I can sense your ambition, but I can also sense your humanity.
2: Yeah, and I think, I mean, the, what's interesting there is she's an extremely genuine person. So yeah. the friendliness and the openness is totally genuine. It's, I think it goes back to the old show business saying that sincerity is everything in this business, and if you can fake that, then you've got it made. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's- no, I mean, anyone that's of any use or not any use or any collaboration or anything else, they're going to smell, as, as you say, they're going to smell uh, neediness or weirdness or value propositions right off the bat. I mean, you have to – that you it's I don't even know how to I don't even know if that can be taught. I mean, you have to be genuine in order to make genuine connections with other people. There's absolutely no doubt. But I also think that if you meet busy people and you meet people that are potentially there's the, the only area that a value proposition enters in for me is I'm now in the I'm now in the dual area where I'm trying to build a business quickly. And so there's clients and executives and people above me that I need to make relationships with. But as we grow, the most important thing to me and something I didn't really know back when I was doing filming, editing, directing, writing everything myself. And now I have a team is a huge thing is also, um, is building a team and growing a team and hiring more people. So for me, it's not that everyone I meet in life is divided into two categories, but it's just lately I've been, I've been doing both. I've been growing a team quickly and I've been growing a client base quickly. So when we talk about value propositions, it's just that, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but you are, man. that people might get filed into, into those I two mean, categories.
1: You're making, you're making complete sense. And it's it sounds callous to say it, right? But you can only have relationships, and you can only, in a more esoteric way of saying it, be friends, quote-unquote, with so many people. Mm-hmm. We have limited human bandwidth. I, uh, I mean, I forget the, the um, kind of philosophical or social theory Sure. That you can only have such a large inner circle mm-hmm. before it becomes in, unsustainable. But that's true. Like, and at a, at a certain point when you have an idea of what you want your life to be, your friends also need to be valuable in a way. And that that doesn't mean be a ruthless despot in the way that you rule your friendships, no. right? Sometimes you're going to be friends with people and they're not going to add any value, but you've, you're friends for different reasons. Man. But when you're selecting new people to meet and to become friends with, it's natural to have to be a bit pragmatic in that selection it's, process. We're talking
0: about alignment. I mean, that's really yes. what we're talking about. We're talking about so much about alignment. Okay, so I want to shift, I want to shift a little bit here. We've okay. been talking a lot about relationships and I think that's a huge part of this and and that is like that is what the inner circle is, that is what what the short list is. But I think maybe um uh, an interesting place to explore would be the shortlist in an industry or in a discipline so i mean we're talking about like the shortlist of people we refer or the people we rely on but what does it look like i mean maybe you can just even talk us through for you where you've come from i i don't know the full anecdote but i know you were you're a former uh, magician but uh and yeah glossed over that for a second yeah yes you're a former man of mystery (laughs) illusionist is one ever really a former though are, there, are, they, are they only just not practicing you know yeah, that's a good question Grant. well in, in fact no I mean the the
2: um, the conceit as it were is, is that I, I never stopped doing magic I just changed the medium so for Ooh. me a feature film is potentially the best wow. illusion that's ever been invented right it has the same sort of effect as a car trick on an audience it's just bigger better and potentially make more money at it yeah um, so for me, that's always been the thing. I I, uh, I grew up with hippie sailor parents and was always traveling around. I um, got, got out to Panama when I was a teenager. I ended up dropping out of high school to help my dad build a little B&B out on the beach. I got sick of it. I wanted to come to the city and make my way, and there was no uh, – I thought I'd put myself through school or whatever, but – all I knew with the language and everything else was magic and a big casino town. So I started doing magic in, in one of the casinos and, and away I went. And then um, through some mutual friends, I got connected to a mentor in Los Angeles in the film industry because I wanted to make a magic TV show. And I started, um, I started going up there and working with him on, he had old projects and archives and stuff and just learning everything I could and slowly got kind of pushed away from the, pushed and wanted to go away from the kind of actual like magic magic like cards and coins and shit and then and started playing with cameras and uh, and just went from there and and then started coming down to Panama and shooting every possible thing I could um, I don't really see this separation you know these days all the photographers are starting to do video I was always into filmmaking but I bought a 7D which was a one of the you know early DSLRs that did good video and I said wow this thing takes cool pictures and I started taking pictures of every every band every girl every thing that in, in, I could find in, a, in an area in Panama city that was just starting to kind of get gentrified and revitalized. And so, I don't know, I just went from there, but um, yeah, I guess that's I, the yeah, story. I mean,
0: that totally, that, that's super interesting. I think um, you don't necessarily need to have one, but I, I know I, as I, as I pursued different disciplines and mediums, the, uh, you know, there is a short list in my mind even of inspirations or uh, you know, people working in that industry. Um, I'm kind of curious if you have any, like, like that might just be interesting for people to like research. If you have like videographers or photographers that really inspired you.
2: Yeah, I do. Um, I think, I think as we go there, you know, this part of this whole thing, and you guys might be able to verify this for me or not, if it's true for you as well. But I think one of the keys, if we're, if we're tying together kind of the path and the short list is. Get the fuck out of New York City um, or Los Angeles in my opinion. And, and what I mean by that is like the people that I've met, a huge part of it has been because I, I wasn't – I was in Panama. I've met people from New York and from Los Angeles and from the film industry that were – uh, that we're here for some reason, or or for some other reason. And I don't know if it's like that in the Midwest, but I imagine that there's a there's a community there, and there's easier access to people. And if you meet someone while they're there, instead of meeting them at their office in New York or something like that, you're probably going to be able to establish a relationship uh, more quickly.
1: You realize, That's- of course, Stuart, that this is a controversial opinion. It's it's probably one that I would I would venture to guess. Well, I personally disagree with it, and I think. Well, a lot of people
0: might disagree. I, with well, that. I think I, I might be on Stuart's side here for a second, even though I, as I land from, I was in Los Angeles hours ago. Uh, but our patron saint, Mr. Malcolm Gladwell, I mean, he's not actually our patron saint, but he popularized the 10,000 Hours Theory, whatever. Point is, in his last book, uh, David and Goliath, uh, he advocates, or not even advocates so much, well, he does advocate, but he he um illuminates this idea of The difference between someone in the top 10% of their class at a middling school versus the bottom 10% of their class at Harvard is huge. As in, being a big fish in a small pond has huge, huge uh, uh, repercussions, I was going to say, but at least correlation to success. Yeah, to success uh, statistically versus being... uh, Big uh, small fish in a big pond, and I do think there's something really interesting about that. Even that idea, not necessarily you know get the fuck out of those places, but I think there's value in in developing outside of those places. Well, I mean, my I guess my strategy sort of has been to develop outside of there and then visit and engage.
1: So I mean, or, or I mean, you know, but it's, it's much be- easier
0: to get on the short list in the small pond than it is to get. You in make the an mi-
1: extremely good point. Uh, I think. I think a reason, which in which that is true, is that the ability to differentiate yourself and make yourself noticed in what would maybe be a smaller market uh, takes something significant. You need to you need to be able to be on top, and that's a certain amount that takes a certain type of life training that you don't necessarily need to succeed in a more saturated market like New York. Los Angeles. So I think you're making a lot of sense. Mm. I would I would argue to not overcorrect in that though and take a bit of a utilitarian approach and just understand that there are just more sheer volume
0: of opportunities in new york and los angeles sure but we're talking i do think like for this conversation we're talking about the shortlist we're not talking we're That's not true. talking i mean i guess we could kind of scale it back in terms of yes there are many many shortlists then in those cities and there are circles that exist that are not as visible per se so i think there is a point but if we're talking about the shortlist to me that is like sort of like the best of the best or at I least, think there- yeah yeah
1: Sorry. I, I, oh, I yeah. Think,
0: oh, yeah, Vince, we have a guest. <laughs> no,
1: no, 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 what what just, do you think, Stuart? I,
2: I, I think that, that, that you're kind of both, I think, like everything in life, it's a balance. But the, the reason I preface with that, I mean, your question was so who inspires me? Well, you know, the reason that I say get the heck out of New York is not because I'm not saying forever. And it, it is slightly separate from the big fish and the small pond thing because I want to be careful of that because I guarantee you that, like, uh, uh, Again, I don't want to sound like a dick, but I mean, I guarantee you as a business, I'm doing better than a bunch of guys that are in New York working at, well, I think Calumet went out of business, but working at the Rendell department in Adorama that are really talented camera guys, like way more talented than me. And they're having a hard time finding a job. And that's the big fish in a small pond thing. But I'm not really talking about that because I don't like that. And I want to continually study and continually put myself up against bigger and bigger markets until I'm better. But I think that I'm talking about relationships in the sense that Whether it is – I mean there's a guy uh, I met because a New York group opened a hotel down here that I did some artwork for, um, and he came down to Panama, and he's a guy named Christian Snyder. He's a videographer. He's been around for years. He worked for Third Ward for a while, and Artist Wanted – I don't know if any of that rings Mm -hmm. a bell, but doing artist portraits and that kind of thing, ski films, whatever, just a really talented cameraman – and I went up to New York to do some work with him, and I learned more from him in three weeks than I'd learned in, in eighteen months in Panama before that. And it's like I wouldn't have met him in Brooklyn in a thousand years, and he didn't have to be in Panama living. I didn't have to be in Panama living, but he was down here for three weeks. Um, another name for me is um, there's a. I've been over in Spain quite a bit, and there is um, there's a Spanish broadcaster called Media Pro, and. Their owner now produces films. He produced Vicky Cristina Barcelona with Woody Allen, and he uh, he's you know in, he's involved in everything. They started in the '90s with four guys in an apartment in Barcelona, until scraping their pennies together doing like two bit sports reports until they could do until um, they could get like a mobile broadcast truck and start a television network. Those guys, if you're in Barcelona, they've got three thousand three hundred employees. You will never in your life meet them, get a meeting with them, or anything else. But if you're somewhere else in the world, mm. maybe maybe you will. And that's all I mean by getting the heck out. Like for me, a big part – and it's not always Panama just by living here. But a big part of getting to meet people that you wouldn't otherwise get to meet is just – is moving around a little bit and traveling a little bit. And I know – like I know some New York guys, um, another one named Alex Colby. I just met him this trip. He, uh, he came down and works with Daybreakers and I don't uh, – some some of the big party
0: yeah the things in New York that yeah. thing is awesome. I have a lot of friends who, who like that. It's sort of like the it's like a sober thing, but it's like a like a early morning like dance co- party. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's an yeah. early morning sober dance party. I I <laughs> I've yet to go to one, but I I I he does these amazing videos of it, and he's down here for a New Year's thing in Panama. It's kind of one of these networking things that connects everybody together. I don't know, like for me. I think a huge part of, and, and it's just my personal experience, but I think a huge part of of um, networking has been being in places where uh, where people go, where people travel, where people do other kinds of things. And I I don't, I'm kind of curious. I mean, there must be something like that in Minneapolis. You guys must have like, you guys must have a production community that's way different than the production community in
0: LA. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't even know how to describe it necessarily. I don't, I it's not like, I don't want to be like cynical about it. I don't, I don't find the production community here that like welcoming slash interesting. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, that's like a, another topic. But, um, but I mean, just as far as like traveling and like getting to meet people and, and like that move, I mean, that, that's a move I've employed now, like for like six years, like consistently. And it's, Huge! It's so huge, like just for my life and for my relationships. And, you know, I just got off this trip and everyone's always like wondering, well, what's the like motivation for the trip? And it's like a lot of times it's just like find any reason, find any reason to go and then connect along the way. And just things start happening. And it's not it's not magic necessarily, but. So to speak, I
2: I think you're, I think you just hit it. I think that's it. It's like, it doesn't matter where you live or what you do, but sometimes just being a guy from out of town or the gal from out of town is really, is really helpful on just getting some perspective, going and knocking on doors and in, in the kind of things you're interested in, in different places Mm -hmm. and being willing to do it on half a half an excuse. I mean, in the last month I, I did Bogota, Miami, the Dominican Republic and Barcelona and about half of those were client covered, and half of them I was I was on my own dime, looking to open up some business, yeah. decent opportunity, that kind of thing. And I know a lot of people here in this market that just be like, "Well, wait a second. What I mean? What do you mean you're going there to maybe do that? Like, why? What I mean? What if? What if it doesn't work? Or what the hell? Or doesn't that cost money? It's like, yeah, but you know, you can, I you mean- can sleep on couches, you can meet people, you can do whatever, and you can it's going to bring more value to whatever you're trying to do than like anything else I can think of basically.
0: And, and getting on a short list does not happen overnight necessarily in the ways we're talking about, especially when it's like true relationship based versus let's say like awards or just like sort of acclaim based. This happens by laying groundwork and being patient and getting to know people. And it takes a while and that's totally fine. But if you don't start, (laughs) You'll yeah. never do anything. Yeah,
1: I am curious. Let's. Um, I want to get a little granular. You've, we've. I think thanks to you, Stuart, we've hit some extremely important and interesting uh, high notes in terms of shortlisting and relationship building that I hadn't even considered previously. Um, but I would love to know what sort of qualities, if you could name them specifically land someone on your shortlist. What do you look for in a person that you want to, and, and it's important here, I think, to remember the original context of shortlisting. Not only someone that you want to work to, your go-to for collaboration, but your go-to for recommendations for others, maybe even strangers to collaborate with.
2: Interesting. Um, and right now, I, I, it, it does vary slightly. I mean, not to go back to, it depends on what I'm, what I'm doing and what I'm looking for. Like, um, because I mean, cause there's sort of, there's sort of two levels. There's sort of a general, like people I want to keep in touch with more or less throughout the world that are just doing interesting shit that I find interesting. Uh, but yeah. then there's more specific to like a production shortlist or somebody I'd like to be able to, to call up for something. I think a big part of it is, I don't know if hunger is the right word or maybe just not um, – I'm really getting tired of – maybe I can describe what I'm not looking for and, and you guys can tell me what the hell I'm talking about. But I, um, I'm really getting tired of hearing people tell me all the reasons why they can't do stuff. Um, and I think that we, li- we we tend to be in creative circles with people that theoretically are living their dreams and doing all kinds of creative stuff. But people get into like – People get into some serious niches, especially in the film community. I mean, there are a lot of people sitting on a lot of gear, talking about whatever film they haven't made or whatever Mm -hmm. video they haven't done. And like, I really am attracted to people right now that are just out there doing shit. Uh, And and like, I know it's. I mean, it sounds simple, but man, the DSLR revolution. I mean, it's for me. I'm a huge tech guy. And obviously, it's not about the tools. It's about the vision and blah, blah, blah. But like we have tools now that Orson Welles would have like hoard himself out on 18 wine commercials just to get a tenth of the capacity that we have. And he died wishing something like that existed. Yeah. And like we just have it sitting on our shelves. I guarantee you everybody that's – I mean everybody that's listening, hell, they got it in their pockets. And it's mm-hmm. like everyone talks about wanting to make stuff. And I know that there's more content being made every day than there ever has been in the history of the world, but I just run into a lot of people with like production companies or that want to work in production
0: that just really aren't. The- Man, t- the, yes, yes. The, I, the, there are two things I'm thinking. One is yesterday I was catching up with a friend, friend of the show, actually, Vince. I think you remember Eric Garvin? Yes. I'm- Shouts out to Eric, who is really like right. kicking ass in in LA right now. But he was telling me about some experiences he's had over the last year and a half, uh, or like year, whatever, uh, where uh, he lives with a guy named Modson. They do a bunch of work. He's a musician, and uh, on a record they're working on right now, it's like they're only working with outside producers. So. With all of these uh, songs they're making, they're working with new producers, and Eric's getting to sort of see their process. And he's like, God, I mean, his conclusion has been like, wow, man, it doesn't matter what the fuck like, software you're using. It all bounces out to like audio fi- separate audio files anyway and gets mastered, whatever. It's however you can get there. And I mean, this is not like a new idea, but it's just like a reaffirming thing of like, it, all this technology is just an interface to your ideas and to your creativity. And All it truly, truly takes is a willingness to go there, you know, to put in the time and to have the energy. And I mean, there are a lot of other elements, whether that's like, you know, research resources or tutorials or community, whatever. But it really is right now. It it really just mostly takes a willingness to go there.
2: I agree. I mean, I just... uh... And, and, and learning resources, too. I mean, there's literally the geniuses in every field are on the Internet, giving it all away for free. But, like, we don't use it for that. And it, it, it's kind of a whole – it's all cliched, but it's just – I just hear – especially in film, man. I don't know if it's like – you know, I didn't go to film school. Now I'm, like, I'm working with people that did and everything else. And I, I, I respect the hierarchy and the way things go. but. And I, one of the things I'm trying to find is people that can balance out my tendency to be a little bit too, you know, guerrilla or a little bit too pirated about everything. But sure. I, I respect some formality, but I also think that people get way bogged down and like, well, we can't do this because we don't have this or we it's, don't have that it's guy. It's not helpful, or, you know?
0: man. I mean, this is, we're sort of just talking about like getting to deep levels with people quickly. You can really feel it when someone just starts making excuses that it's like, I don't know why... Like you don't need to convince me of why you're not doing a thing, and it's just like that smells the same as some of those other things. Well, I don't. We mentioned think they're before. trying to convince you, right? A- they're and trying to convince them. Exactly, they're convincing themselves. themselves. And and Vince, I gotta say, it's so smelly. You can, it just, it stinks from so far away, and and it wafts in the air, <laughs> and and perhaps this, wow, this will be an opportunity for you.
1: I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna slough off my normal sort of cracker barrel snarky smile sort of attempt at humor at the world around me and say that was a genuinely good segue that i did (laughs) not see coming i didn't i didn't even understand it for the first several seconds
0: yeah and now i got it um And, and Stuart, you should be aware uh we love we love we almost love nothing more Uh, than to acknowledge our own segues. We don't even like the segues. We
1: only like (laughs) calling them
0: out in a way that it's
1: completely unlistenable to our audience.
0: Yes. What we
1: do also like
0: doing. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) That's a very Midwest answer to something. (laughs) Yeah, respect. (laughs) Respect. Is is Vince the
2: one where you guys were were giving shit earlier about not finishing stuff? Yes. (laughs) Because I I, got to interject there and say that's a little different. Like, as long as you're doing stuff, I'm, I'm not a huge judge when it comes to that. Uh, seven months ago, I started it. I flew to New York Fashion Week uh, with a, a blogger down here I wanted to make a digital show about. I'm still working on. I flew to Spain to shoot a short film. I spent a shit ton of money, got a lot of people excited, came back here, and they shoved a daily cooking show on me. And I went to work, and I have not finished the personal projects, which I'm still hoping to finish. But as long as you go out and film some shit and as long as you're finishing something, you're not going to get any judgment from me about about not finishing everything because it's it's just – that's hey. part of the casualty of doing shit is, you, is you're doing too much shit. You Speaking and, know,
0: of shit,
1: <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. A, a quick aside, a quick aside. <sighs> Uh, a quick offshoot to the off-topic topic that we were about to force you into against your will, it,
0: and it almost wouldn't be—it <laughs> almost wouldn't be uh, like an overly acknowledged segue if it didn't get derailed, like a sure, derailed sure. segue. So we already I'm, derailed. It. This is
1: actually our magnum opus. Of, <laughs> of, um, I want to say I appreciate that sentiment, and I agree with you in some ways. Um, sometimes circumstance derails the potentiality of a project. And in some ways, that's unavoidable. I would not, I would not give myself that pass wholesale.
0: And and I would actually double down on that pass. And I would say that uh, I I've been so reinforced by this idea recently, and not too far. I know you will reel me back in, but just I think the nectar. I think about the nectar a lot, uh, but in projects or or whatever you're doing. It's in completing something, and I think even just like the act of completing gives yourself some nectar, and maybe that's just that is also like my personality type, and I have to acknowledge that. But I think that people uh, don't necessarily get that because they don't complete it, and I think they're sort of missing out on something they don't understand. They're missing out.
1: I I, I agree completely. <laughs> there are two very hard parts of a project: starting it and completing it. Yeah, completing it is the harder of the two parts by a, a wide margin. Starting it is a hard part, and so. As long as you do at least make some progress, there is value to be had there, but there's no true redemption without completion. (laughs) And that segues imperfectly into a topic... That I'm just going to introduce now. Uh, maybe you don't know the Stuart, because you haven't listened to an episode before, which is totally fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's
0: but we do want to be clear. I mean we want. It. I mean it when I say yeah, it's fine. yeah, 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 for uh, sure.
1: But every week we like to talk about something that isn't particularly germane. Wow, I've now. never seen you really like just uh, that was that was a dancey. Era yeah, wow. Uh, <laughs> it's become its own you know reference at this point, but. <laughs> We talk about something kind of we just have fun,
0: Vince. An off-topic
1: topic. topic. This week, we're talking about public bathrooms. (sighs) What are your opinions on public (laughs) bathrooms, Stuart? Uh, Do you have some sort of public bathroom phobia, or do you prefer it because of the (laughs) anonymity? Um, I don't have any particular phobia.
2: No, Um, I can't say I prefer it. Uh, But uh, no, I think most of the public bathrooms I've used recently. I've been porta potties at electronic or rock music events, which is you know a whole new world.
1: So, well, portable portable toilets are a, a kind of a different beast in a way, right? The yes. main reason why I like public toilets so much is because they're frequently very clean in comparison to maybe a friend's toilet. Uh, would I, wow! Not, not, um, that I'm, not that I'm calling out any friends in particular. Grant, for instance, has a has a very clean bathroom. There's there's nothing that I would criticize. But I think a, a, a personal bathroom has the tendency to be very unkempt, uh, whereas, like, a public library has people who are paid to clean it. Interesting. My experience is the
2: exact opposite, and I think you need to analyze your personal habits and that of your friends immediately.
1: Whoa. Wow, wow. That's like a strong <laughs> assertion. i you know, Stuart, that I'm very fastidious, especially <laughs> okay. in, in terms of my bathroom hygiene. My bathroom is impeccably clean. Or maybe just Minneapolis public bathrooms are really clean, and I, I'm not used to that. But yeah, uh, I was yeah. going
0: to ask, like, perhaps it's like, yeah, uh, do you feel like Panama City bathrooms are not so clean?
2: I mean, it depends on where you are. If you're in a nice hotel or something in the lobby, then they're lovely. If you're somewhere else, then maybe, maybe it's like I, a... I know, if it's, you're it's in a the country, same. it's like I, a whole pile w- around it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will say this. I, as someone who loves dive bar culture, one of the one of the most endearing qualities of a dive yeah. bar is their horrible
0: their shit shit bathroom. It's yeah. amazing.
1: They're they're actually human rights violations that come with their public bathrooms. So, you know what? Maybe my my mood is already changing. Maybe can my I, stance wasn't as strong as I can.
0: I ask you a question. Okay, so i I've been in airports a bunch recently, and I. Th- <laughs> I had a re- okay this is just an aside but a relevant aside I was uh, I was already thinking about this as I was in the bathroom cuz it was sort of complicated to get in here and then like I had such an awkward situation happen although it was funny I was in the handicap bathroom in an airport in Minneapolis and it's there's uh in this one whatever like toward this one gate there's this really really nice bathroom and i'm i am i can been in that bathroom in like toward gate e and it's i yes. wonder yes yeah, so it's like sort of like the yeah and i'm constantly like curious as i go over there because a lot of the la flights go from there that region or the west coast stuff and i'm like is this a social experiment or or like not a social experiment but like are they like? I don't know why the bathroom is so fucking nice. It's really nice over there. It's extremely nice. It's bizarre. And so, okay, there they have several stalls, and there's a there's a handicap stall, and like to open it, you have to like press. I think you might even have to press the button, or you have to like lock I it. Is
1: that particular
0: stall? So I did, and it was it was the only one that was open, and it's to me to me, and maybe I'm wrong here, and I, I am genuinely curious to hear your thoughts. But it's the same with like. Handicapped seating in general, like on a bus, it's, it's, if you look, you know, even the signage on, on like the light rail, for example, in Minneapolis would say like, if someone handicapped or someone in need, Yes. If then, then. Get up. yes. If, then get up. But let's not. We it's don't need not to hold like it. A handicapped
1: parking spot, which
0: is reserved. which is yeah. Let's keep that one. Yeah, right. we're not going to park there. But in this situation, we are mobile. We are there. We are. There. So that is my opinion. Bathroom. I guess you could maybe argue a little bit could less. Go so. Either way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure where I stand
0: and, on and, it actually. And I'll tell you where Not just where I stand, but where I sit <laughs> on it. And and so here's what happened. Here's what happened. So I was in this bathroom and I was sitting down as one may do yeah and and the door opened up and someone abruptly it opened yeah like i must not have fully locked it like there's a giant red button that like to lock it and i don't know man i it is a little bit confusing regardless what happened was this gentleman came in but i it is probably important to point out that he was not handicapped at least not not apparently any that would have been a truly odd situation because uh, yeah, then it's like with a, that is the literal crumb, that is yeah. the literal situation of like someone walks up you're sitting in the and you very have spot. Larry David-esque yeah it, it, it's a curb episode for sure anyway he like came in and I was just like ah and he's like ah and he and he left and I got up and I goes like so how what, what a truly vulnerable uh moment moments in 10,000 hours in, in the, with our yes. pants around our ankles truly and so here's my question Stuart, to you guys yes. is like, where, where do you guys stand on that? On using the handicapped bathroom? Stuart, thoughts?
2: I did it uh, recently in in the airport on the way back from Spain. What? Know, Why would you were, do that, Stuart? They were cleaning the other one. I had to use it quickly. I don't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just, I went in there and then someone started banging on the door. And no. it, was, it was the cleaning person. And I was like, uh-huh. what the fuck. And, and then I was just, she just looked at me badly and I left and I felt somewhat ashamed, but I did have to use the bathroom. So oh my goodness. I don't know. I, I mean, I feel the same way. It's like if there's no handicapped
1: people there, you're not visit from them. A bathroom visit of, of any kind is fairly succinct. I would, that's why I would not feel too guilty. What are you going to do? 10 minute, 10 minute stay maximum? I mean, it's not emergency timelines. It's not like you're taking up the a truth. bed in the ER. My next my next parlay would be to have you, have you people been to
0: Europe and had to pay for a public bathroom before? Oh, that happens here in the the cheaper malls for sure. Wow. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. It makes sense. I guess see that, that that, that is like the extreme version of, of like water and ice water. And okay.
1: Until, Until you've had to go to the bathroom relentlessly and failed to have the Euro necessarily necessary to get into a public water closet you haven't experienced true hell. I peed in public more often in Berlin (laughs) than I have in my entire life. Because, not because I was trying to skirt by the system, I had a Euro to spare usually, it's just that if I didn't have it on me, I didn't really have the constitution to get back to my fucking apartment, get a Euro and go, I mean then I would just go to the bathroom in my apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just inconvenient. So it, it, it makes me thankful that we live in such a, a commodity-based economy here in the United States because that would never fly. That would never I mean, be okay. I mean, yeah. to be
2: fair, like I'm from San Francisco, and if I remember correctly, they make public bathrooms so scarce because people are living in the streets that people just shit in the streets, and it's impossible to find a public bathroom. And if you go in a coffee shop, you got to buy a cup of coffee to use the bathroom. So maybe they're just nice in –
0: Where's Minip- Where's Minneapolis again? Oh man, Stuart, you. Where's, <laughs> where's <laughs> Minneapolis? And this is the second time you've pronounced it as such. <laughs> you a son ever. of a bitch! Yeah, a Minneapolis, theory. Minneapolis is that Minneapolis? It is. Guess where Minneapolis
1: is, Stuart? <laughs> <laughs> it's in Minnesota.
2: You got it. I, I, yeah, I you got you know, you're right. You're but it, right. it's Minneapolis. There's no. There's
0: no extra A-N there. And common mistake though. We're on the Mississippi River, and but we're not on the Panama. Canal, <laughs> no, okay. That, that this is this is legit. I mean, customers only. This is fair. I've like doubt. I mean, I, I think for the maintenance, they yeah.
1: their people have to clean it, and they pay for the water bill. So you know, hail no, capitalism. That's t- but some
2: cities make it impossible to find anything else, and so it's sort of like charged by default. That's what I'm saying. But you probably don't have the same problem. In, as San Francisco has,
0: yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, that that is a we thing. don't have that. Problem. That's a thing in 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 New, I guess another thing about it, it like is in when New York, when yeah. I'm in New York or in San Francisco or you know some bigger cities. I mean, L.A. to to a degree, less so, I would say. But it's yeah. I mean, you you are paying for the thing because you have to be a customer. <laughs> you well, go
1: understanding and, where a free bathroom is 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 paramount. The two times that I visited New York City. You know, subway substations have always not the the the, the actual public transportation. The um, the sandwich shop. The sandwich shop, normally oh f- promoted by a
0: pedophile. Uh, but <laughs> not, not not a pedophile. Not like a Greek, like the <laughs> right. Yeah,
1: pedophile. Oh, no, no, that no. would be a good place for a pedophile. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> they have pita bread. Um, but they have um, no holds barred no questions asked public bathrooms at every location across the country so your
0: local subway sandwich shop is a I great. actually want to say Vince there is one in Minneapolis yes that i know specifically on central ave yes that says like no and actually i the reason i'm remembering this and wow what an off topic topic this is proving to be but the reason i remember this is because not only does it say customers only it says current like As in, you have to... Because I'm sure the argument has been made, and I've thought about the fucking argument (laughs) before, is like, well, I am a customer... You know, a couple of months ago, I purchased. You know, and, hey, and subways, it's just like, a sandwich, yeah. If you will, and yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, and that's like just down so, the street.
1: I, all right, I guess I shouldn't have spoken so forth, right? But I've gone to public <laughs> bathrooms in San Francisco and New York in subways, in subways, always in subways, okay. Wow. Now I've never gotten hassled for it. Whereas if I go in a in a Starbucks, it's not always. And, and Starbucks has helped me out a lot of times. Someone with a, as a
0: relative... Well, you got to get the code.
2: Yeah. If this were my TV show, Subway would be paying for this.
0: Um, well, no, what I was going to say is... Uh, <laughs> Eat and, fresh. No, I was, I was about to say, homie, I, mean, I was going to say, and this episode is brought to you by Subway and the new cold cut trio with... We did mention that
1: they paid a pedophile for the better part of a decade and a half. But <laughs> I, think, I think what we can say is, is that anywhere where there's and, and I mean, millions starving about the artists, same ages, there's no
2: free bathrooms. New York, Berlin, San Francisco. But in the Midwest... You guys are fine wow
1: yikes i think that was a slight but i can't tell no you. no no that was a positive thing that's
0: why it seemed like you were saying that our type was weak
2: no i was t- i was tying it into earlier like in new york you're you're not only competing with everybody but you, there's no free bathrooms and in nice places like minneapolis where there's production work because no one's around there's also free bathrooms and panama too but maybe that's all
0: a little too cute. So. A little too cute.
1: <laughs> no, you know what? It's not. It's not too cute at all. It's actually. It's actually a good means of framing the what I think should be the return to the topic at hand. Sure. Your shortlist. Your sh- Believe me, it might be a stretch, but I'm going to try. The, your personal shortlist is context dependent. I think that is an unavoidable truth. You have different shortlists and you're on different shortlists in different regions for different projects and in, in different mindsets even. I would want us to revisit the the topic of shortlists by asking you, Stuart, two questions in particular, if you'd be kind enough to answer them for us. And then would you? Yes.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. All
1: right, I'll ask him in order. The first one's first. Stuart... If, if our listeners could support you, how would they go about doing that? Wow, this is your chance to be not as generous as you have been because you've been a very generous guest so far.
0: yeah,
1: uh, very forthright with your answers and and very willing to well uh, talk actually about both sides of the argument.
0: here's what I would say Vince actually I think there is a certain generosity that that says, hey, th- like someone right now is thinking, oh, I want to support this guy. So allow them to. Yes,
1: I would. That's that's a good point. Uh, feel free to to advertise yourself.
2: Well, thank you. I, it's actually kind of a interesting question because now that I'm, I I, I actually don't know. <laughs> like, um, you can well, follow me on on Instagram. You can go watch uh, some Panama tourism videos on YouTube or something like that. But that's a that's a valid question. Like a lot of our media is kind of. It's kind of market segmented or language segmented. Um, um I mean Asombro.net is my website. Hooper Stewart on Instagram is my Instagram. Eventually we're gonna be putting up some projects so that will be more international that people can get behind or watch or hopefully get interested in. But yeah, that's that's actually kind of a curious question for me. Like well, that's a good um, start, right?
1: Find you and and yeah. get interested in your work and and I'll, can I'll they the long game, yourself, right? Can yeah, they, can they get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you one thing that this – actually, this podcast is making me realize. You guys talking about short lists and stuff. I don't know if you can tell or smell it or not, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually in a public bathroom right uh, now. I smell, now, can smell it that. It smells but, um, like a beer. I'm hungry a little bit uh, for this in the sense that a lot of my relationships are um, – I don't have a lot of connections with the – sort of US production community in my same age group doing similar things that I'm not trying to hire or not trying to be a client. So in other words, I don't really have a group of peers that I could just shoot the shit with about this kind of problem solving. I have a few older mentors who are also my friends and we talk and that kind of thing. I don't really know how old you people are, but I just mean like, I get clarify
0: you people. Stewart, just <laughs> i'm just kidding go on here man you're good man um no that's, I mean, that's a good that's point though. To
2: me is community like you know yeah. um non non non-value-based community at, at the end of the day maybe i just realized that about myself i'm not an asshole i just want people to talk to you <laughs> so. uh,
1: i mean that's that's such a sincere viewpoint though and i think it's something we can both identify with um and and hope maybe it even parlays into my second question
0: maybe you. maybe uh, <laughs> perhaps
1: uh if you would want our right, listeners Larry. to take one thing away from your time on the show what would you want that to be
2: just do stuff i mean I don't
1: <laughs> we love that answer you I mean but isn't answer. it
2: isn't it doesn't everybody say the same thing? I mean I don't
0: know, I haven't listened to the show, but I think it like <laughs> <Fuck> you, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. three times, <laughs> who <laughs> is sorry. the audience anyways? Yep. No. I, I, uh, I, point I, taken, Minneapolis. I get it. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. That's not at all what I mean. I just mean like I um I don't really know, but like I don't it, it's hard because I know people have like rent to pay and and stuff and trust me, so do I. I just don't know like dude there's nothing you have more time in your day you it's the old fucking cliche get up at 6 run 5k then write for a half an hour every goddamn day I don't do it either like I should but like if you can get a routine if you can find more time after your job before your job during your job like if you want to do something in this industry then do it and if you don't like trust me there are days when I fuck man I wish I sold insurance I could just do 9 to 5 and like no problem I don't actually wish that but that's my on set joke it's like but if you want to do this, you really gotta just
0: start making shit. I mean, that's really all I've. Bro, see, it's really simple,
2: but that's it, man. That's, Bro, that's really- I gotta okay. say,
0: man. I mean, yes, 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 you yes, yes, agree yes. More, you're, yes, you're preaching it's, our language. It's uh, what you're saying right now is so. We've been talking so much about relationships this whole episode. It's <laughs> if if you want a good relationship, love thyself. And where does loving thyself come from? Self-awareness and then maybe self-definition. But like when you love yourself and you truly fall in love with yourself and that like that means also the things you're doing then that just bleeds out to every single touch point that bleeds out to every interaction that bleeds out to your whole fucking life because you don't need anything else you don't need anyone else and i don't mean that in like such a like sterile way but really like just in like a basic way that's why any of these short lists exist that's why people who are performing at a high level connect that's why you get to like do really dope shit with people who are also doing really dope shit is because you love yourself. You love the things you're doing. You want to do more of that. And just like that cycle of love. And I don't mean that in the like hippie sailor, like, <laughs> right. Way. I mean, Sorry, that was you're a not back. a flower child.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're not being flower child about it. You're yeah. basically saying like, at the end of the day, you don't need someone to do things. Your shortlist comes from the fact that you are naturally attracted to people who also do things. And that yeah. a short list is people that you could rely on to get results. And uh, when we surround ourselves with ourselves with those people, then we get better results as well.
0: Um, like that. And then we do I, all the high fives.
2: Hey, I, oh am I there it is. I don't know if I'm I don't know if that was like the wrap up and I'm supposed to if I should not say
0: anything else. Well, but,
1: yeah, sorry <laughs> sorry
0: Stuart, it's all over <laughs> you and, know, and your opportunity is gone. Actually
1: you're welcome to, to throw whatever thoughts you have in uh, I think, I mean you said it really well. We were just parroting what you said, basically. All right. Well, I, just,
2: I think there's just an interesting one last little interesting thread that you're Please. doing there with, with the self love and the whole nine yards. And actually, it's interesting the hippie sailor because it's literally that combo: the hippie that's that's constantly building you up, and the sailor that makes that guy in whiplash look like you know a, a walk in the park. Like in yeah. other words, there's a two. There's a little bit of that too. It's like with the doing stuff. You, I think you do. You have to forgive yourself. You have to not. You know. I'm not um, – I wish I was David Fincher and I'm not. And then I probably wish I was Clint Eastwood and I'm not. And then I think, well, maybe I'm more like Woody Allen except I'm not. Probably maybe Kevin Smith one day if I'm lucky. You know what I mean? Um, but at whatever age or whatever you get to. But it, as long as you're doing something, I think that you're, you're going to move towards what you want. And so you've got to find a way to be really fucking hard on yourself and then also not beat yourself up too much at the same time. And I don't know how to do that, but um, that's what you've got to do, man. Yeah.
1: It was, walk
0: the line. I think it's less about being hard on yourself and more about being real with yourself and just like understanding where you fall on the spectrum of caring about that, about prioritizing that. And as long as you're like authentic with it, eh, I think good shit happens. You've made most that. of the way already.
1: Well, I, I'll take this opportunity to thank you again, Stuart, for, for joining us. This was an awesome conversation. Had a lot of fun. And you've been very generous, again, like we said, but we, we do have one more request of you.
0: And perhaps, uh, like your sailor parents, you can sort of be nautical with us. Okay.
1: okay. Wow. That was... Uh, two for was, two, baby. You know, very clever. I just got that right now. Yep. Uh, we have a bit of a mantra. <laughs> we have a bit of a mantra on on the show. We like to sign off in the same way every, every time, which is something I think resonates with you as well. You've at least spoken to it. That is to ship it, to uh, to get things done, to make a product and get something out there in front of the people. That's called Absolutely. shipping it. So if you yeah. would be so kind as to give us our customary sign off of the two words, ship it, we would be very grateful. All
2: right. Well, thank you
1: guys, and uh, ship it. Work hard, harder. Ship it. Work hard. Ship it.